Advent. Again, uh, Advent means arrival, coming. It is the Advent season. We kind of talk about, we kind of dwell on the, and remember the coming of the Christ child. But those of us that are believers, we know that there will be another Advent, and that is the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to direct you to your bulletin this morning. On the front it says, But this angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Luke 2, verses 10 to 11. Let us pray. Lord, we honor you this morning with our presence. We give you honor, we give you glory, we give you praise. Lord, I thank you for those that are here, those that are on their way, those that are traveling around, those that are home recuperating. Lord, we thank you. Father, that you're with us no matter what our trial is, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're going to or what we're going through. For you are there, you are steadfast, and you are true. Your promises are real. You are a promise maker, but you are also a promise keeper. So Lord, this morning, one more time, open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear and our heart to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, use my mind, my will, my emotion, infuse it into your word this morning that you would be glorified. And so, Father, in all of this, we give you praise, we give you honor, we certainly give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, verse 21 to 32. When you get there, say amen. Luke chapter 2, drop down to verse 21. I'll be reading verses 21 to 32. And when the eight days had passed before his circumcision, the name was, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, (coughs) excuse me, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms, blessed him and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, 
according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his most precious and holy word. Again, our title this morning is Joy. It's Advent season. We are speaking of joy. You know, joy that is present when the long-awaited arrives. You know, when you've been waiting for something and it finally shows up, there's a different joy than when uh, you know something's going to be there and it's going to be there at a particular time. You know, you're happy about it, but when you've waited for so long in the nation of Israel, you know, hundreds, thousands of years waiting for the Messiah, the Advent, the joy that you feel when now that time has come. It's almost like, and it should be, like when we all come and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, our soul has been longing for the rejuvenation of the Holy Spirit, when waiting for when we were going to make that confession of Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's a joy that overcomes us because this has been long awaited. It renews us and it prepares us for the future. So in chapter 2, verse 21 to 24, it says, again, And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons." Make no mistake, Jesus was born under the law. The law is the word of God. Sometimes we forget that when Jesus' ministry, when he's older, what is the Bible that he's reading from? What is the Bible he's quoting from? It is the Old Testament scriptures. It is the Hebrew Bible. The New Testament has not been written yet. So he is born under the law. And so we must remember that. And his parents observe the law. They are bringing him into the temple according to the laws uh, that were stated. For example, Jesus' circumcision. That's Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3. They present Jesus to Almighty God. That's Exodus chapter 13, verse 2 and 17. And they give an offering for Mary's purification after her healing of childbirth. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Born under the law, he came to what? Not do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. You see, everything that God has said and given to us from let there be light forward is what we are to observe, we are to follow. We are. It's not just stories to make us feel good. It is the word of God that commands us. It is the word of God that directs us to our future. And so here the people were waiting for what God had promised, and it shows 
up. It says his name was given as Jesus. Jesus actually means, as it's translated, it means Yahweh is salvation. The Old Testament name for God, Yahweh. Yahweh is salvation. Salvation from Almighty God. As we know, this is a gift extended to us from God. God saw us in our condition and so loved us. He gave his only begotten son to pay the price on the cross for our sin. So in the beginning here, and I use these scriptures just to set the stage that without Christ, people are under the law. Without Christ, there is no grace. There is no fulfillment of the scriptures. When Jesus is on the cross and he said, it is done, now it is fulfillment. Everything is done. Everything is complete. Now we look forward to the church age. Verse 25 and 26. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Sometimes we say Simeon, or it doesn't matter how you say it correctly, it's Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon was waiting, devout, righteous man. Unlike Israel's leaders at the time, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort, the encouragement, meaning the Messiah would come. So he was looking and waiting expectantly. You know, our joy has to be wrapped around what God is doing and what God has done. You know, we, we express joy in Almighty God for what God has done for us. But remember, we too are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Are we looking for the consolation? Are we just kind of going about our daily lives and that's just something that's on the back burner? We do not know the day or the hour when he will return, but he will return. There is another advent coming and it will bring joy to those who are in the kingdom, to those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Simeon, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And realize this, that in the Old Testament time and before the cross, the Holy Spirit was just on particular people for a task. So in other words, Moses to do a task. Uh, for Jonah to do a task, for, you know, uh, Isaiah, or whoever it was. Once the task was completed, Holy Spirit was not there anymore, was not poured out on all believers like it is in the New Testament. That's Pentecost. That's the importance of Acts chapter 2. When Jesus completes the work on the cross, says it's, in, it's finished, he's resurrected, he is seen, you know, he ascended, and he says, wait for the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit now comes down and now regenerates all believers. The Holy Spirit is now here, enabling all of us, as it says in Acts chapter 1-8, to minister before God now. This is the gift of God. We live in an age and a time where the Holy Spirit indwells in us and we are able to do ministry because he lives, because God is now on the inside of us. Our spirit has been regenerated. We are now what the Bible calls born again. 
we have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, it changes us, but it also enables us to minister. You know, it's a good speech, but when the Holy Spirit is there, now it's life-changing. You didn't hear what I said. You see, you can say something really cool, really great, but if the Holy Spirit isn't there directing that unto the believers, it's just a nice speech. But when the Holy Spirit is there, now it imparts to every single believer and imparts to those who God is calling to him. It's like when an unbeliever comes into, into church, they hear on a different level because they have not received that yet, but they receive the conviction, the understanding that there is something greater than their problems, their circumstances. God is calling us. For us that believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it is a fulfillment, it is a, it is a, it is a uh, uh, enabling factor that enables us to witness, to preach the gospel, to do ministry, to do all the things that God is calling us to do. So on Samian it says the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he was told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now he's an old man here, and he's waiting and waiting. And you know, sometimes when you're waiting for something, it's kind of like, are you really sure it's going to happen? Been waiting so long. But you see, he had the promise from God. And we need to realize this about God. God is just not a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. And so what God has said in his word, he will fulfill. He will do. But you know, sometimes joy can be just a little bit bittersweet. Think about him for a second, Simeon, that his life is basically over. And God says, you know, you will not see death until you see the Christ child. But he will not participate in ministry. He will not go on and plant churches and do all these other things. You know, his task was to just do this bit that we're talking about here, to, to, to celebrate and to put a, a, a meaning to the fulfillment of Jesus coming into the temple. What it meant to wait in that joy that he feels. I have a picture in my office. Um, in, in Lasby. I used to have in the church here. But uh, uh, it's a picture of, it's a representation of Simeon. And what you see behind him is kind of a map of the world. And it's kind of in a, watercolor kind of a thing and you see him from the side and he's holding the Christ child and you see a joy but yet a tear because the joy is Messiah is here but the sorrow is this child will suffer one day he will go on the cross one day he will pay the penalty for all of us. But he came for the whole world. And so the joy is Christ is here. But the tear for us is all have not received him yet. All have not understood why he has come. Verse 27 and 28. It says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. 
And when he had took him in his arms, he blessed God and said. It's a representation of that picture that I just told you about. But it says he was came into the temple in the spirit. In other words, what it means is he felt an irresistible impulse from God to enter the temple. You see, <laughs> Joseph and Mary did not make an appointment. They didn't get on their cell phone. They didn't make an appointment. They didn't mail a letter, say, we're going to be here 2.30 in the afternoon. No, God summonsed him into the temple. He had this irresistible impulse, I have to be there. You ever have that desire on the inside of you? I know I'm supposed to be someplace or something's going to happen. You don't know what it is, but God is calling you to do something or sometimes calling you not to do something. Don't go forward, wait. You know, I heard a story one time of somebody's in the church today. I'm not going to mention names, but they were talking about they were at a stop sign. And the light changed. And it was green. They could go, but something irresistible on the inside said, no, wait. And they waited. And a car sped by. Do not check off the irresistible impulses of the Holy Spirit. Because God is guiding us and directing us. So he's brought into the temple by the Holy Spirit. And he's in the temple. In walks Mary and Joseph with Jesus. A divine appointment for all time. You see, fast forward to Jesus' ministry. We talk about the triumphant entry into Jerusalem where they took out their, off their outer garments and they laid them on the road and the palm branches and they, you know, Hosanna in the highest. And what does Jesus do? He walks up into the temple and scripture says temple was empty. No one was there to hail him as king. No one was there, no one there to give him laud. No one was there to proclaim, this is king of king, lord of lord. This is the long awaited Messiah. Because the ruling leaders were not ready. They were not prepared for what God was doing. But you see now as you throttle back to Simeon, you realize this divine appointment. The Christ child is brought in to the temple. And Simeon knows this is king of kings, lord of lords. This is a baby now. But this child will change the world forevermore. He's hailed as king of kings, lord of lords. This is a messiah coming into the temple. So Simeon praises God. This is the joy of the promise fulfilled. There's no joy greater than the promise of God that you feel in, in the inside of you when you know God is at work and God has done something. It's like that moment when you first realize that you need salvation and salvation is there for you. And you receive it. That joy, there is no greater joy than to know that you've been changed from death to life. That you are now in the kingdom of God. That you have been saved by the gracious gift of Almighty God. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. God extended favor to us. And all we have to do is acknowledge that we're sinners. Acknowledge that sin has separated us from God. 
And we cannot do good works to get back in right standing with God. The only thing that we can do is believe that God so loved us, he sent his only begotten son. And extend faith into what God has said to the point that you're willing to confess that to someone else. That yes, God loved me. He sent his son for me. And I need to repent, turn away from my sins. And follow God. And so the Advent season should remind us of the joy of Emmanuel. God is with us. This is what Emmanuel means. God is with us. Salvation has come. You sing the song, joy to the world. But what does that mean? Simeon understood that. Joy to the world, for now salvation has come. Joy to the world is a messianic statement. Verse 29. Well, verse 28 for continuity. And then he took him into his arms, blessed God, and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You see, what God has declared has arrived. And we need to know what God has declared because many times God is working in the midst of our lives and has declared something and we miss it. Or we don't understand what God is doing. God gives gifts to us all the time. God takes us from one season to another season. God heals us. He strengthens us. He encourages us. He places us in ministry. He brings people to us that we can minister to. All these things we have to understand that God is doing. And so we take joy in understanding that God has arrived, Emmanuel, God is with us, and we are able to preach the gospel. We are able to do what we cannot do without the Holy Spirit, without salvation through Jesus Christ. And so the Advent season, it's a hope, love, joy, and next week it's peace. It's here through Christ. You see, true Hope, love, joy, and peace is here because Jesus Christ came and paid the price. And this is why this little story of Simeon is so important, because he embraces that. We all must embrace that. Because it's a gift that was given to us from Almighty God. You see, we lost the garden because of sin. But because of Jesus Christ, we inherited the kingdom. You see, we were in the garden where it was all good. But then we sinned. And we were out of the garden. We were out of God's presence. You see, we have to remember we live, work, and survive in a fallen world. We booted out of the garden, but God so loved us. He saw us in our condition, in our state, that he extended grace to us through Jesus Christ. And when we confess those sins, repent from those sins, believe in our heart that, that God has done this, and confess it, now we inherit the kingdom. Now we are brought back 
in, in the presence of right standing with God. You see, once we were pushed out alone with no hope, but God gives us that hope. And that's the hope of the Advent season, expressed in the love of God. And we receive that joy. And the result is the peace that we know that we know we're in the kingdom, that God has prepared a place for us. And God cares about us. God loves us. And all we have to do is acknowledge him and follow what he has said. You see, hope, love, joy, peace through Christ. Simple words, but they convey so much. And again, this is what I, I, I love about the Advent season. It forces me to remember. You see, sometimes we forget why we do things. Or we forget the importance you know, we always talk about, well, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. What does that mean? What does that really mean? Do we know how to express that to an unbeliever? In terms of hope. In terms of God's love. That joy that will overcome you. And then the peace that will reside within you. Jesus is the reason is not quite enough. There has to be more of an expression there. We lost the garden, but inherited the kingdom. What was meant for evil, God has turned to good. And this is the joy of the Lord. Verse 31. For which you have prepared in the presence of all people. In other words, the salvation he has prepared in the presence of all people. In other words, prepared for such a time as this. You see, when you read the scriptures, when you read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, when you read that, again, it's just not stories, but everything is pointing to the cross. Let there be light. Jesus was there in the beginning. The Spirit was hovering over the waters. God spoke uh, ex nihilo into life where there was nothing. Now there was something. It's our understanding of who God is. And that what the world wants to call the Big Bang is God saying, let there be light. And things now beginning to progress, but they're pointing to the cross. Everything is going towards the cross. So that when time comes for the Messiah to be here, those that are looking, those that were waiting, those that understood Scripture knew Messiah was coming. And when he came, they were able to understand. But those that were looking inwardly, those that were looking at what was around them, those that were looking for position and status and all this, they missed it. Because they were looking for personal fulfillment. They weren't looking for eternal fulfillment. Because they did not understand the difference between temporal and eternal. Prepared for such a time as this for all to see. It amazes me when I think of evangelism. It amazes me when we evangelize or when you talk to somebody 
You know, sometimes I ask people who deny God, and I just say, why do you think Christmas is celebrated throughout the whole world? Something happened. Almost 2,100 years ago, something happened that changed the world forever. You realize that wars had been stopped when people realized it was Christmas Day. Armies were opposing each other, and they realized it was Christmas, and they called a truce. You see, God changed the world. And it's our responsibility to give that message out that what God has done. Why do they still celebrate Easter all around the world? Why do they celebrate Christmas? Because something supernatural happened that changed everything. And our responsibility as the church is to put it into context. This is why this is happening. This is why you're feeling what you're feeling. Close with this, verse 32. He says, A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. There was a transition coming, coming here. You see, it was the glory of your people, Israel. God was working with a group of people putting his word in them and so that people around would know that there is a God and so that they would see God working in the midst of this small little nation. And now that is now coming to a fulfillment with Messiah. Messiah now comes and the continuation of it is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Gentiles means others, those that were not uh, uh, Hebrews, they were not Israelis. Okay, they were not Jewish. So what he's saying now, a light of revelation, so that now the two are made one. We all inherit the same promise. We are all now brought back together. And this is the ministry of the church. That's why going back to that painting that I have, that, that, that picture of, of, of Simeon, you know, the world is in the background as he holds the Christ child. And he celebrates, but yet it's bittersweet for all the world to see. You see, all of this is played out for the world. You see, <laughs> creation is not something that just happened out of nothing because nothing decided to make nothing. No, this design, intelligent, created. I mean, just look at who tells the bears to go in the cave when it's time to go in the cave? Who tells the bees to go to certain, uh, do the pollen thing? Who tells the beavers to build the dam? Who tells the whales to go north when they're supposed to go north? And then tells them to go south when it's time to go south? Who does that? Who tells the birds to fly to South America when it's time to fly to South America? Who tells the butterflies to come and do what they do? But in the way, they're not just going from one place to another. They're part of the development and the strengthening of this thing we call our world. Why do we have a moon that guides the tides? 
Why do we have a sun that's just the right distance? Why do we have a planet that just tilts so perfectly that we have four seasons to allow crops to be grown? You see, none of this can happen by chance. All of this is God's plan. We are part of God's plan. The Christ child was part of God's plan. The cross was part of God's plan. Our humility in the face of our pride was part of God's plan. That we needed to look at ourselves in our wretched condition, in our sin, and realize, yes, I am fallen, and I have sinned against Almighty God. And my joy in Christmas is that Emmanuel has come. And all that that would bring. All that Simeon understood when he held that child. And said, this is the child that we've been waiting for. This is the one. So what came forth out of Israel, what came forth out of the scriptures, out of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is a light of revelation that's now upon us as now we become the church and we continue to carry out God's word into the world. We are a light of revelation. Revelation means to uncover. And so a lot of people do not understand who God is and what God is doing. God is, in a sense, veiled for them. It's our responsibility to remove that veil so that they can see. Because they can't see clearly. They can't understand fully. And that's why we need the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us go out and minister and do things that we cannot do on our own. But you see, it's all according to God's plan. And this is what Simeon understood when he held the child, who is a light of revelation. And so it means to uncover the joy that is in Christ. He came, he brought salvation, and one day he will return. Amen? Let us pray. Father, with joy that surpasses truly our understanding of the word joy. We come before you, Lord, knowing that there is a God in heaven. There is a creator. There is a maker, a sustainer. That there is salvation. That there is a way that there is truth, there is a meaning, there is a purpose, there is a plan. And because of your love, you allow us to partake in your plan if we're willing to acknowledge our sins, repent from those sins, and believe that God so loved us. He sent his only begotten Son to pay a price that humans cannot pay. Only God can pay. 
who went on the cross and paid the price for our sins. And if we're willing to believe and confess, the result is we inherit the kingdom. The light of revelation is upon us. We're now turned from death to life. And in this we take great joy in understanding that you are at work in our lives. We pray for those, Lord, that don't know you as Lord and Savior. We pray for those that we will witness to, Lord. We pray for those that will come into this church that have yet to receive you as Lord and Savior. We pray for their salvation. We pray that you strengthen all of us that have already come to you. You open our eyes to see, our heart to hear, our, our ears to hear, and our heart to receive what it is that you have for us to do. In all of this, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and with great joy, we all rejoice. And in Jesus' name, we say, Amen.